Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special preview episode of Authentically Kinky. I am John, otherwise known as Hi There Catsuit, and I am pleased to be joined by the one, the only Vicky DeVica, who has now been a three-time guest on our program. And every time we've had you on, Vicky, there's been an evolution, and that's a wonderful thing to be able to talk about. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I love uh, I love evolving clearly, and that's always in my uh, fat life bio here. The role, you know, and I change the role, but evolving stays there because I don't want to confine myself to a specific role or pigeonhole myself into something. And um, if you remember last time, that was definitely something that we talked about being pigeonholed into into this thing and trying to break out of it. And I seem to have accomplished some of that, but the pole is just always <laughs> pulling me right back to uh, my roots. Well, speaking of our roots, this show still has a first five. So as always, we will start with the first five, five questions about first for Vicky Davika. First time you realize that goddess was something that identifies you? Mm, that's a good one. That's a long time ago. That would have been in 2007, like a long time ago. Um, but more recently, uh, that's been ebb and flow in my life, this, this concept of uh, embodying, channeling, goddess energy the goddess uh, being there's this taboo but telling like oh i'm a goddess calling yourselves de deifying ourselves there's a definitely a certain level of taboo around that um so exploring that theme of breaking taboos and stuff like that has also been very prevalent in my life lately and so i've made uh yeah just a couple of months ago started to really dive into uh the goddess role a little bit more You've talked so much about the different work you've done on yourself. Yes. Still going. What, what was the first time that you realized that something in particular that you had done had totally changed your way of being able to think? Like an epiphany type thing or a like, revelation? Like a, a moment. Mm -hmm. thing uh when the first the first time that happened i feel like that's been happening my entire life it's just it's just kind of building up so it's, that's one thing where I, I absolutely cannot pinpoint a very specific moment i think our entire evolution is made of those moments so uh i guess my earliest memory would be one of those moments it's from Inception, we're always building one concept on top of another. That's part of the human experience. I'm sure I asked you this before, but the first time you ever put on a rubber cat suit, do you remember what the occasion was? I don't think you have asked me that. And um, the occasion was, uh, gosh, when was the first time? It was in 2008. It was in 2008. And that's something that I'd seen for a long time. And I was really curious. I'd seen some, some, some 
some girls wearing cat suits and, and latex. And I was really into attracted. Like I really wanted to to discover latex and experience latex for the first time. And actually a latex cat suit was my first latex item. So like I went like right in and ordered so, like a full cat suit. That, that was the first latex item I own. I think that and a pair of uh, pants. And that's in 2008. First time you came back to Canada after being in the Caribbean for so long, where you said, I'm back home, this feels right, because I'm sure it wasn't the easiest transition because you were in paradise for a little while there. <laughs> yes. Although now I would say that the paradise is more of a state of mind rather than a place. Mm -hmm. so uh, you can be paradise anywhere and you can be in the nicest place uh, in the world and feel like you're in hell, which is kind of what's going on at one point, uh, being in paradise, but during COVID and, and being very isolated. And at one point, things were so crazy as a really truly believe that we were going to die on this island there. Me and me and my partner at the time, we were like, well, that's it. We're going to die here. That's, that's kind of the end of the world. I know these are like crazy, crazy ideas to entertain, but that's how crazy it got, at least for me during COVID uh, with some of the realities that I couldn't travel, couldn't go anywhere, was locked in a country where I didn't have, I was illegal. Like there was like a lot, a lot more to it than just a, a simple story that can be told here on the podcast. But uh, bottom line, uh, that's uh yeah that's uh that's paradise is is right here right now it's a it's a state of mind it's not a place you can escape to first time that you received a note from one of your new i guess i would say subs that you've been giving the tasks to <laughs> that made you go boy this is definitely the direction I wanted to go in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's that's all happened very recently. I started putting out these tasks and these um, all the, these these weekly tasks. Originally, the idea was to do daily tasks, and I stopped for a second. I was like, okay, no, this is a little. First, it's a lot to ask in terms of commitment from other people. It's a lot to ask uh, from myself to come up with tasks to do every day. So uh, I was like, okay, pause. And it's just like once a week is, is good enough. Um, and so I started on January 1st with the first uh, set of tasks. And right away, there was, there was a response. And obviously, um, a really interesting aspect in that is you have a lot of people who say they want to serve, they want to complete the tasks. You send it out, let's say there's 100 people on the list, and you'll have maybe two or three people completing the tasks in reality. Um, but that's normal. That's that I was expecting that if I knew that uh, going in, uh, but then seeing the uh, the people complete the tasks and 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 that kind of response was uh, like right away. It was like yeah, absolutely. This is this is uh, this is wonderful. Obviously, we talk about evolution when we talk about you and your character, but this is a more forward person than I've ever seen out of you. What brought it on? Well, I mean, it was there the, the whole time. It's not It's not a new aspect of, of self. It's not something that uh, was repressed this whole time. It's something that I just chose to keep private for the longest time. And uh, there was this disconnect that between what I do, who I am. I mean, there, there always is going to be. Um, but it was a, a much bigger gap between uh, what I used to do, how I felt, and um, how I 
perceived myself and and some aspects of my uh, myself that I just kept to myself versus now uh, bringing that to the forefront is in so many ways, I guess, more authentic. I think that, and I'm trying to remember the exact Dom that said this to me. I should know it, but it's not, it's escaping my head right now. That a true submissive is someone who completes tasks if the Dom was wearing pajamas and a t-shirt, as opposed to completing tasks for someone wearing head-to-toe latex. Yeah. Yeah. Do Absolutely. you see people who think they're one but are actually the other? Oh yeah, I mean all the time, and it's it's interesting to to see. Um, I mean the the, cor- the obvious correlation between the sex drive and the desire to serve in certain uh, submissives, and where for, for, whereas for other subs, other other people, those are two completely different drivers, and just the desire to serve, to complete tasks, to do the to submit, to do all of that, out of sheer pleasure without any um, hope for getting something in return or for without any underlying sexual tension. Sometimes there is, and and sometimes both, I mean, obviously both can and should coexist, but uh, for many subs, that is not the primary driver. It, it doesn't even need to be present in order for, for submission service to, to occur. Whereas for a majority of usually uh, males, usually men, usually um, submissives. I call them. I call them uh, wannabe subs. You know, they they just <laughs> the whiny subs and the one the two the two kinds, the whiny sub and the the, the the wannabe sub. But these types are yeah a little less prone to completing tasks, and it really is just a uh, a put on. In a way, it's it's the bottom gigolo as I as I use it as I call them. <laughs> so that's really what they are. I remember. A few years ago, when uh, Dominatrix here in Cincinnati put out a 21-day submissive challenge, and it was basically a set of writings where you had to do something every day for 21 days, and it was a different task every day. And I took great pride in the fact that I was able to complete that. And apparently, what she told me later was only two people ever did. Only two people took it seriously. Yeah. I, I totally believe that. I totally believe that. Those who those who follow the task, those who serve, uh, know who they are. And there's just a handful of them. And that's I'm I'm surprised that in your case in this program, only two you're saying out of probably a multitude of, mm-hmm. of potential subs. So um, well, one that, that one thing's for sure, John. That that makes you very special. It makes you very different from the other subs. That's something that I hope you have internalized. I appreciate that. The other thing that I think helped me is I am a naturally vulnerable person. I am able to share things in a truthful and authentic way that a lot of people could never even think of doing. And I don't think it's a case of too much information, but I think it's a case of sharing fears and doubts that a lot of people are scared to share. Uh, I recently had a, a writing called The Realization, where I admitted that my sexual being may be a thing of the past because nothing works properly. 
makes me sad. I hope that it isn't that way, but it also allows me to understand that kink is what allows me to have those beautiful moments where my mind is the most important thing and my heart is the most important thing. And it's not necessarily the sexual outcome. Do you find that there are still some people like that? Or is it really hard to find somebody that is non-sexual when it comes to the world of kink and fetish? I think that's more common than you uh, would think. Hmm. Um, I'm in the process of doing this study of kink consciousness, and that's something that I think we're going to have a little bit of uh, data on that. We're going to have to have a little bit of, of information um, when the study is, is complete. Personally, um, all numbers aside and all of that, I think that that's a common, I've encountered uh, people who are in that situation. And I can even relate to some of the, uh, the aspects that you've, uh, you've, just, you've just shared. So yeah, I don't think, I don't think you're much of a not liar to be, to be honest. <laughs> The, uh, the ability to be open for connection in that, however, can it can literally open up doors that you couldn't otherwise. Right. What have you found in either your findings on your survey, which we can also talk about, or your studies? What have you found to be the thing that allows connection the most? Is it something of the heart? Is it something of the mind? Or is it just a certain quality that people have that Vicky Devika goes, this is a person I can connect with? Well, I think more often than not, connection, the ability for connection is present and it's it's probably built in as, as a thing. It, it's more the question should be uh, what things stand in the way what what are those things that prevent connection from happening i think that's mm -hmm. a that you we're going to find more answers if we ask that question versus uh what's enabling what's making connections possible i think connections between individuals between human beings um is a very natural mechanism through limbic resonance that's what we're built to do is to connect with other people and share emotional states um through the resonance of the limbic system that's something that we can all do that's something that babies and parents do that's how uh that's how mammals bond it's not just humans it's any any other animal and that's something that i think everyone has the innate ability unless there are some pre-existing maybe genetic conditions that would prevent that but that's not what we're talking about here um, so from that point, I, I would say that it's mostly things that get added through life experience, trauma, things like that, that slowly erode uh, the ability to connect and to make those connections. And those things are the things that get in the way. And they, uh, these are the things that can be removed. Um, it's interesting that you put it in the way that they can be removed. because. Absolutely. It seems like they're what you're talking about is learned behaviors. You're not talking about what's in a person's soul. Well, I mean, what do you mean define a person's soul? Their genuine qualities when their actions meet their emotions. 
as opposed to having actions. It's kind of, you've actually stumped me there, Vicky. <laughs> it's that's okay. Uh, that's okay. It's I'm, I'm just asking questions, and sometimes they're they're very uh, innocent questions. Um, well, that's and that's what that's why I love having these conversations. Talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you are excited to bring to the forefront because you you talked about the fact that uh, when we talk, you've got a lot of new things to talk about. Hey, give, yes. give me some of those. Well, there's there's the uh, the ongoing uh, study that I'm doing at the moment. So it's a survey. And uh, if anyone watching this uh, has not filled the survey, uh, please, I probably will still be looking for participants. Uh, it's a pretty uh, large uh, large survey in the sense that I am looking for a thousand participants. So far, I have seven hundred. So we're seventy percent there. It's a very large cohort. It's a very large uh, sample, um, the large group, and um, there's a lot of data in there that uh, can um, that is starting. I, I there's just early results. I don't really uh, have any. What's already in there is very. Um, very thought provoking, I would say, and there's going to be really interesting findings uh, from that that will go in the book that I'm still working on, the famous book that I was telling you about. <laughs> it's still a work in progress, and um, but it's a work in progress that's that's really getting there. And uh, I wanted to validate some uh, some theories, some ideas, and things like that. And I put together this survey, so um, that's something that I'm really really excited about, and. Um, yeah, that's that is definitely one of those things that I am, I am, I guess, launching now. Mm -hmm. The second thing, um, well, um, I'm starting to take bookings for uh, live one-on-one -on -one sessions. So if anyone wants to have some fun and uh, explore the kinks uh, with me here in Montreal, then uh, it's going to be a forum you can apply, and uh, maybe we can play together. <laughs> and that would be. Anybody who gets to do that would be very, very fortunate because the thoughtfulness that you put into everything that you do. And it, I'm almost calling it the thinking person. You are very much the thinking person's dom. Yeah, and, I get that. No, because you, I would guess that the way you play may be just fun, but at the same time, you have a great understanding of what make pe what makes people tick in this world. Yeah, I certainly do. <laughs> and that's a very special thing to have. So yeah. what what are your favorite types of things in play? What makes Vicky DeVica happy? Yeah, well, all these things that I have been doing in the last five years in my early content as essentially as the the, the, the submissive, you could say, a lot of it, well, all of it was solo play, but it was solo play. And I was I was essentially topping myself uh, with all these breath play scenes and things like that with the gear. Well, that, that, but uh, I'm topping now, so no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the one in charge. <laughs> and um, yeah. That's uh, for a change is good. It feels amazing. I have been able to have some rubber play since the last time you and I talked. 
And I can tell you that it is amongst my favorite kind of play. Vac beds, I feel so safe when I'm in them, but I want to be able to explore more. I wish I had a cat suit that actually fit well, because I think wearing a cat suit is a scene into itself. Just the mindfulness that goes into it. When you put on, and a lot of times it's one of your own creations, when you put on that layer of armor or that second skin, what are the emotions that go on through you? It will depend on what the um, well, what the scene's all about, what the instant is all about, actually. Am I about to shoot a video? Am I, am I about to go have some fun, uh, solo play? Am I going to play with someone? Am I seeing a client? Um, all these are obviously very different, um, very different activities. And fairly recently, I did this 28 day creative challenge uh, where every day I recorded a video and I was sort of looking for inspiration into my uh, my next steps and, and things like that. And for most of those 28 days, I say maybe 70% of them, I was wearing a, a latex cat suit. So it got to this thing that it got to this point where essentially I would get up in the morning and that was almost like the first thing I would do is just get dressed, do my makeup, jump in front of the camera and just do it. Um, so interestingly, that that helped me reconnect even more with the, the suits, the latex, uh, all of it. Uh, it had gotten a, 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 at, a, at a time, uh, the, there's a point in time where it had gotten a little bit kind of mechanical, less, uh, definitely less passionate, less involved. And I was gotten back to, um, well, this, this fun thing that I always loved. I can imagine, and maybe this is just my mindset, but I can imagine holding a cat suit in front of me that I'm about to put on and realizing that I'm about to become a different person once I do. Is that a feeling that you ever get? Or is that a feeling that has happened where the Vicky DeVica that is simply skin or uh, in sweats or whatever is one person, but as soon as that goes on, there's another person that comes out. Yeah. yeah, that that used to be very much like that. And then I would I would take it off and have this kind of longing for whatever part that was gone. And then I realized that that was all inside of me and that the suit was just a catalyst for that thing. So then I got to a point where I didn't need the suit in order to feel that way. And so I integrated it in, in I integrated that part in, into myself. And then, well, that other character, a more powerful woman, uh, well, she's always here now. Don't need the suit for it. <laughs> so uh, that's been my experience. Obviously, when that happens, it can be very jarring, especially if most of us were conditioned to hold on. We're attached to certain ideas and outcomes and things. And we're like, I'm supposed to like this suit. I'm supposed to really need this. I'm supposed to want this. But sometimes when you've integrated it, you don't need it anymore, which isn't to say that you don't like it, that you don't enjoy it, that you don't go back to it for fun. 
but it, they're not at that point. They're not the same drivers. They're not the same reasons. You're not doing it for the same uh, initial kind of boost, little hit of dopamine, that extra little little thing that it used to provide. It's not there anymore. It's been integrated. It's it's all in you. My cat suits tend to be more of an anxiety helper than anything else now. I don't get turned on by wearing a cat suit. Now, if somebody is doing something to me within a cat suit, that's much different. Right. Yes. I'm going to ask a very strange question, but I think it, I think it'll resonate with you. Okay. What is the greatest lesson a latex cat suit has ever taught you? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a patience, patience. Fuck it, patience, <laughs> because you can't rush that. You can't rush it. Um, there are certain things. Also, the the suit, the latex, whatever thing has a, a sort of a mind of its own. It's got an energy charge, but it's also got a mind of it of its own. And some days that thing just won't cooperate. That thing just doesn't want, or you want to go a certain direction, it wants to go in another direction. You can't even put it on. You're, you're going to fight with it. You just think some, and sometimes it just goes on and it's like a second skin. Um, so, yeah, patience. Sometimes you can't rush it. You just can't. Yeah, I, I can see that. Here's the next question I will ask. If there is exposed skin to the outside world, does it make you feel differently than when every bit of you is covered? Yeah, yeah, it is a, a very different, different, different feeling. The uh, the full enclosure versus the skin exposed. Um, personally, full enclosure has never been one of my own in a kinks or fetishes the masks the 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 full enclosure that's something i picked up from from an ex-partner of mine so mm. uh, i was introduced i was already into latex i was already into all the nice kinky stuff the boots and the the the, the, the sexy stuff but the more um kind of gear centric thing like the gas masks the hoses the heavy rubber look with the extra corset and all the other, other stuff where you need a hood obviously and then you know if you don't have the gloves if you if you don't have even the, the toe socks the whole thing has got to be like covered full enclosure that's something that i i picked up from uh, a partner of mine mm -hmm. so um for me, it's an extra dimension. It's it's another realm. It's not something that ever needed to be present. I really enjoy that, uh, as with anything else. Um, it's contrast. What makes you happy outside of all of this? But when you say all of this, meaning the world of kink and fetish, what what makes Vicky Davika happy? Cats. I love cats. <laughs> I saw one sneak in earlier. We had a guest star. Oh, did you, did you see? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I have two cats. Um, they're they're wonderful beings. They're spiritual beings that I, I connect with at the highest level. Um, and it's not just these two cats. It's any cat, really. Um, mm -hmm. they're, they're incredible creatures that have a, a really rich inner life. And... Uh, 
they're they're incredible. You always surround yourself, and I'm just looking at some of the things in the background there of books and and beautiful pictures and and even even the water bottles are shiny. <laughs> you mean these are these are bottles of shine actually? Oh well, there you go, <laughs> shiny shine. Yeah, this is the the shine. This is um, you know, actually, while I'm on the podcast, if anybody wants to like a bottle of shine, hit me up because uh, I still have maybe sixty of those bottles. When oh I wow! Launch. Yeah, this is you know the the um, silicone shine. Mm-hmm. I've been told many times by uh, many um, very uh, experienced fellow rubberists that uh, this is the best shine they've ever tried. So I know that uh, when it comes to the actual formula, the product is like probably I myself think that it's like the best thing ever is better than all these other companies that I won't name out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I didn't mass produce, but uh, it was weird with a small batch. I still have some. That's great to know. And obviously we can, we can put a, a link in the show notes yeah, about yeah, that. And... Like an order page or something, maybe if anybody wants to buy some shine. There you go. Joined by Vicky Davika, who um, just one of my favorite people. <laughs> you know that. I've told you that before. You have been working on this project, this book, yes. that is not just a typical education book, but you are really getting in to what makes us what we are. When yeah. did that fascination start? <laughs> Well, I guess when I was a little kid and I had some really strange fetishes and I felt like I was the only person in the world and I was asking myself then what the fuck is wrong with me? That's probably when uh, I started thinking about those topics. That's not when I decided obviously not uh, to, to write a book, but that's mm-hmm. when I, I started asking myself those questions. Now, fast forward well, some 30, almost 40 years later and it's like, okay, um, these thoughts have always been there and I've been trying to make sense of my own experience and my own uh, growth and suffering. A lot of it has been very uh, trying and for the longest time has been a lot of suffering um, because of these, what I perceived at the time, uh, kinky thoughts that were debilitating. And, doing the work to process all that, to integrate all that has given me uh, a very uh, unique perspective, but more so working with all these people that I encounter on, on a day-to-day basis, uh, of being a fetish model, being a dom, be, and seeing all these people within the king community um, where I see a lot of my old self and a lot of those same uh, patterns of suffering and these patterns of uh yeah, just isolation, suffering, and it just I see people asking themselves what the fuck is going on with, with them. And I find that on one hand, we have um, science that doesn't give us much in terms of answers. There's not a lot of actual, real, usable, actionable data on the topic. Um, it's always the same tropes. It's like you go on one ex- on one extreme where it's like kink is evil. It's the worst thing. We should be ashamed. And on the other the other extreme, it's all good. Everything is great. Just do whatever the fuck you want. You'll be happy. And in the middle, there is no really like okay, well, what's actionable and what's going on for those people for whom the the whole 
kinky lifestyle and all these ideas when they become crippling, when they become a handicap and they're not, these things are not living up to our expectations and they are actually taking away from enjoyment in life. What do we do with these people and how do we help those people? Well, the first question was, how do I help myself with Mm -hmm. that? And then as I found answers to that, I've been wanting to put that into um, into a cohesive book, into something that actually makes sense that people can uh, relate. And my goal is to uh, write a book that essentially uh, anybody can get some value out of it. I know it's tall order, but uh, that's that's really been my my goal since I, I started writing about a little over a year ago. We talked about this on on the show, I mm-hmm. think, last year. And at the time, I was like really, I was writing every day, and and then I hit a wall. Um, because at one point I realized I was in it like way over my head. <laughs> like I am tackling a topic that I'm, I, I realized at the time I'm like, okay, I need more information. I need more, uh, I need more education. I need more something because the picture is not complete and I can't just put some uh, ideas out there, which may or may not be true, which may or may not be useful, which may or, or may not be harmful uh and so i went back to the drawing board and i started asking myself uh i guess better questions mm-hmm. and then i took a um to, i made the decision to go well first first off go get more uh education in terms of uh this ability to work with numbers and find actual data and uh to be able to to bring a little bit more of a scientific approach to my uh to my research even though um I am not a super uh, strong adherent to the Church of Mainstream Science or the Church of Settled Science, but um, yeah, essentially that's that's been kind of the journey with the with the book. It's a lot of words. Two hundred plus episodes I've done of this podcast, and I think that is the most that anyone ever talked about the pain of what it's like to be kinky. And that discovery, you were describing me, absolutely describing me. I know. know. Um, Yeah. The fact that we don't have a choice in the matter. The fact that I watched something at age three that put something in my mind that defined what my sexuality would be and I have never been and never will be what anybody would define as normal but instead I've been able to define my own normal but it's taken me a I can't tell you how many times in my in my teens and 20s that I would have bondage magazines have harmony bondage magazines and have suits and have have toys and then I'd throw it in the dumpster because I I had to get away from all that only to go no this is what I enjoy but I didn't understand why and I think that sounds exactly like what you were going through well I mean I think that's that is a pretty universal experience for anyone who has had a crippling fetish from like a very young age um and it's important to make a distinction between all these different things. We group them all under the large umbrella of kink. And um, to me, it's clear that someone who is a uh, submissive 
who enjoys a good spanking on a Saturday night with their favorite dom at the club. And they're doing that to just get off and it's cool and they're having a great time are not in the same boat as say the person who has been into feet, cat suits, latex, whatever thing since they were five and that they've burned this, this thing in their mind through reinforced learning and through a whole host of other mechanisms where it's like they've we've made our this this entire thing um sort of like our identity and our sexuality and that becomes the main driver in in many aspects of our life they're completely different experiences obviously the, the kinkster that's doing it for for entertainment during the weekend who has been brought into it through culture or, or other other things like that is not in the same boat as the the fetishist that has had a, a well, essentially a, a fetishistic disorder. That's what it's called. Mm -hmm. honestly, it's important to make this distinction um, between these different different states, but they're all grouped under the 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 umbrella of kink. You know, um, so I do think that what I'm describing that pain and that you can relate with is is probably a very universal experience within people who have this sort of but I call it like a very intense fetish, something that is like takes over. And when it does, ha it when it does happen, when these things are in uh, a person, that's from an early age. It's not like something that you just twenty five years old you realize you have a fetish for this thing. It's always been there, and yeah. uh, it's yes. not a choice. It is not. Um, that's uh, that's definitely not a choice. Uh, no more so than uh, sexual orientation, hair color, things like that. But my big question has always been: well, What's the root cause? What's causing? What caused it? And 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 then if we can answer that, obviously I was motivated by: Can we can we change it? Can we remove them? Can we deprogram these things? Can we? Nobody dares asking that question because I don't know. It's it's not comfortable. I guess it's frowned upon to even ask and i i asked myself well could i deprogram that there's there are some kinks that are just absolutely not healthy i have a smoking fetish for instance i've had that for i don't know since i, I guess i was eight i must have had this, this really uh, traumatizing experience which i can kind of remember when i was like must have been like maybe younger than that mm -hmm. six seven uh it's been there my entire life obviously if there is no way absolutely no way it is absolutely impossible for me to indulge in that fetish in a healthy manner it's impossible like that is just like i don't know science won't agree with that you know you can't smoke and make it healthy you can pretend you can can't even vape it's like now you, you got addiction on top of that too that you got so how do you deal with that you can't it's either you're addicted and and you you smoke and you destroy your health but then you're happy because you're you're scratching your itch um or you go for periods where you're like no well my health's more important than the kink obviously but then your mental health starts to decline because you're like really not uh fulfilled and you're repressing something that's well you know what it's like you got the king the fetish is there just nagging all the time so how like that for me, that's been the the root of of the thing of how can I deprogram this? How can I uh, remove those fetishes? Can they be removed? Because I keep hearing yes or no. It's like I don't take no for an answer. Like I have a really hard time being told no. Oh, it can't be done. I'm I'm something tells me that it can be done, but we just haven't figured out how yet. 
and that's kind of where I'm at in my in my process right now. So I can't really say more because of what's currently happening with the the survey and the study and there's things mm -hmm. there. Like I don't want to go too far because that could uh, influence some responses. But I'll leave it at that for now. Without trying to get into the survey, have you heard the word orientation when it comes to kink? Yes, I have heard of the uh, the kink orientation theory. Um, yes, absolutely. Because for me, I, that's kind of what I fall in. Mm -hmm. Yes, you. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's that's the way I've been able to to cope with it. That it was never a choice. It was something that drove me to be the person that I am. Absolutely. And I, I want to say, I sure I could live without the suit. Sure, that, that'd be easy. No, it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it's unhealthy by any means. I mean, I have literally been able to create the, the most beautiful hugs just by having cat suits on and uh, having sensation play in cat suits really helped me find myself. Absolutely. I mean, uh, there is no doubt whatsoever. And I'm not uh, that that's where having these conversations are always tricky because there's a lot of underlying uh, things that can be easily assumed. It can be assumed that, oh, I'm, 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 I'm going in a direction that could open doors for kink shaming or for wanting to change people's kinks or, you know, say, well, I want to deprogram your fetish and be like, hey, you're attacking me. People are being attacked and their core identity when you start even just talking about these ideas mm -hmm. of like but personally i think that um if i could get rid of at least a smoking fetish i can go on with my life without the need to constantly put stuff in my body that i don't want to be putting in my body mm -hmm. that'd be a great thing obviously most kinks are not like that uh, you know there's no harm in wearing a, a, a katsu there's no harm in wearing a gas mask there's no harm in even getting some piercings here and there. Like, you know, there's always a way to make it safe, sane, and consensual, right? Mm -hmm. Or kink, or um, a, a risk. Uh... Risk aware, rack, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, so there is always a way to make it uh, safe, except, well, there are some kinks that where it's just not possible. And uh, those are the ones that, well, if you do find yourself in, in one of those situations, what do you do? What do you do? Mm -hmm. Then it becomes a matter of, well, the lesser two evils, uh, like it's been this dance, like I'll go for well, years sometimes without smoking, but then eventually the thing is just, it's still there and that's mm -hmm. annoying and I was like, okay, uh, how, how can I like not really have to go back to that? But then it's like, I do, obviously I'm past the point of like shaming myself or like even feeling guilty. I'm like, fuck this, I'm doing it. But um the, the 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 health thing is still there i don't want to be smoking like, i'm not i'm not a smoker i'm not smoking every day like, no way you know that's like that's that i used to but not anymore and learning to have a little bit more control over that has been well first of all extremely challenging you just start smoking on and off and just quit and start and you can but it takes a lot of energy i can i can tell you that speaking from experience you can but it takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of mental uh, real estate which Frankly, I would like to be able to put to better use. And so if that's, for me, that's undeniable. That's something that if I could just 
get rid of that, get rid of those impulses, get rid of the imprinting and get rid of at least the, the, the stuff that keeps bringing it back. Then it just becomes a matter of avoiding the triggers, which may or may not be possible, but in today's society, it's fairly easy to select our experience and avoid certain triggers. Then at that point, it would become something that after a while, theoretically could be the program. So mm -hmm. that's where I'm taking some of my research, at least that's kind of where I'm at this time. And the, the thing about it, and you mentioned deprogramming or, or being able to remove or release, sometimes it's just people being able to come to grips with, okay, if it's not going to hurt me, it's okay. Or if it's not taking over my life, it's okay. You talk about your smoking fetish. That is something that can hurt you. Yes, exactly. Things, things that can cause permanent damage are worth looking into. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, also that sometimes there are um, fetishes to have perfectly uh, healthy fetishes. You know, they're not harmful in, in, in itself. Let's say you know, rubber, gas pot, katsu. But it seems like for some some of us, um, and that has not really been my case, but it seems like for, for some people, there is this thing where the more you have, the more you're, pursu you're pursuing it. And it's a question of constantly uh, cranking it up more, 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 increasing the dose, increasing the, you know, it's, one mask is not enough. It's like, you gotta have a layer and another mask. And then it's like, and now you need an extra. And when you fulfill these fantasies, it's like, well, the next one, what's the next thing that I can do that's even better than this? That is a pattern that I have difficulty with. That is a pattern that is extremely prevalent within the King community that you can't even question, that you can't even like even start to be like, hey, what are we doing here? This whole thing of like one-upmanship that everybody has to do more than the, the other, or like, oh, this 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 model, she's done this scene. How can I make it bigger? How can I make it more? And this endless pursuit of more, um, that is not healthy. So you can take a, a like a, a perfectly healthy fetish and tra transform it into a monster that's going to take over your entire life. And for some people, that is their reality. I've seen that, and I'm not judging. It's not it's not from a place of like morals or anything. Mm -hmm. It's just it can't be good. You know what I mean? When when your 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 kinks take in you take over your entire life, and and you see it, the emptiness of this chasing more and more and more all the time. Fortunately, it's a very small percentage of the kink population. You would think that it's a very small percentage. We're about to find out what the percentage is, the actual like data, but. Um, even if it is a very small percentage, there is still that bulk of people that that have that very unfortunate experience for where for them, the kinks and the fetishes, they uh, they don't they're not a healthy thing. It turns out that it just compounds into into destructive habits. Obviously, you can't blame it's not the kink, it's not the it's not the the ideology around it. It's it, none of that. But for some people, it's for the same reason that. Some people have difficulty with alcohol and, and most people can drink socially and don't have a problem with that. But there are some people that when they start drinking a little bit, they need it to function. And then eventually they are dysfunctional as a result. 
there is a parallel, but then you start to dive into, I guess, sex addiction, but it's not quite the same thing. And it's not quite the same, um, the same phenomenon, even though I'm sure there's, there's plenty of, you know, co-founding factors and stuff like that. There's no research. We don't know. Like I'm talking shit because we don't have any data. Like, <laughs> and, and when you, when you try to get that data, that's, that's, that's something that actually maybe it's worth mentioning so when you, you try to get that data it's roadblocks everywhere for instance you know um fet life removing my posts asking for a participant in the study and saying that the studies need to be approved by uh, a special board at fet life that decide if your questions are in line with the ideology <laughs> that they have that's that's like whoa and you need like a letter from your your uh your institution and things like that they have a whole host of like big red tape around even just asking people to fill the survey. I think that's, that's wrong. I think that's, that's slightly problematic. Uh, and also the same phenomenon is happening on the, uh, the BDSM subreddit, which is a, a wonderful community of like some of the most compassionate, most brilliant minds I've ever seen within the community. Like you go read on the BDSM uh, subreddit, contributors on there, like mind blowing people that have like, but there is this thing where yeah, you can't go and ask for uh, for participation in a survey and, and things like that. And I do understand where this comes from. I do understand that um, it's probably out of trying to protect the King community from bad actors who would do bad science with certain ideology to prove certain points and things like that. But the reality is that we can't be afraid of what the data will reveal. Mm -hmm. We have to go get the data. And if it means that some of the conclusions that we come, that we find some of the findings are uncomfortable and they they challenge and they contradict some of the, the beliefs that we have as a community and the things we've been told about our, our lifestyle, if, if whatever finding ever goes in and challenges that, well, then we have to go with what the data says. That's But if we don't have any data in the first place, we won't even have, ever be able to even get there so yeah rent's over <laughs> it was a beautiful rant first of all second of all it really gets to the root of why we feel the way we do sometimes and that is the perceptions of others take over what we should feel about ourselves and when you can come to the acceptance of your own authenticity, your own genuine self, then the outside perceptions can just go to hell. They can go away. Now, yes. if you're harming somebody or you're doing bad things, yes, obviously you need to take that in. But at the same time, our self-discovery, and in my case, 60 years of self-discovery have allowed me to see others in a more beautiful way. Absolutely. And you're getting to do that with every piece of data that comes in because you're seeing what they are and you're wanting to help them. And that's absolutely. a beautiful thing, Vicki. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you, you're so, you, you are so right. What you, what you just said, I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said. Absolutely. Um, as long as you're not harming anyone. The thing is, and that's, I'll be playing a bit of like devil's advocate here. Um, 
what if you're harming yourself and indirectly in a way that you don't fully understand? Now, I'm not talking about the obvious one, like a smoking fetish or uh, some, you know, you're into, I don't know, heavy choking and, you know, you, you keep pushing and, you know, and I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about, say, you know, harmless stuff. You like, you like wearing boots. You like wearing a cat suit like you, John, or, mm -hmm. you know, nothing harmful. But what if you start making choices because of that, that are taking away from your own, your own ability to experience other things that could take you potentially further in, in, in life in other aspects. But you, you'll never know these things because you're just making completely different decisions. That's something, I mean, that's obviously, that's just a pure uh, thought exercise. But in a way, we don't, it's hard to quantify those things. But what if that conduct is not the optimal outcome even for ourselves? That's something that we, just, we don't know. And even just asking that question is, it's very taboo. It's like, oh, you know, ask, hey, uh, what are we doing here? Uh, are we good? And even just check, trying to check that, it's like, you're empty kink, you're, you're, you're I'm, look, I'm looking for problems that just don't exist, but that's not, clearly not what I'm seeing with the data right now. We find the balance that makes us happy. Yes, that is a most, um, most honorable pursuit. My, uh, Absolutely. So tell us all the ways we can be in contact with you and follow your work. Yes. Well, the best way is to go to my main website, vikidevika.com, and then all the links are there. The research, the, the sessions, uh, all the content that I made in the last five years, uh, the more recent stuff, the smoking fetish one, which I tackle specifically to work on some issues. Um, I didn't just wake up one day and be like, oh, I want to make smoking fetish content. There was a little bit more uh, intense behind that. Um, so I did that. And there's all of it's on the website. So that's probably the best way. Um, also, the weekly, the weekly tasks uh, for subs as well on there. So if you say, oh, you want to serve, you want to help, well, we'll get on there. Yeah, it's good to do what I say. <laughs> get on there, subscribe, and, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you what to do. But you probably won't do it. Spoken like a true Don. <laughs> Vicky, it is great to see you. I am genuinely hoping that somehow in my travels, I can get north of the border because first of all, the area that you live in is so beautiful and, and uh, just the culture, is, I would love to immerse myself in it for a little while. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to get up and uh, up north of the border and you and I can share a lovely hug and finally get to meet each other. Damn right. I certainly hope that you make uh, you make it. Um, I would say maybe come in the summer. It's definitely uh, more, um, I don't know, it's better. In the winter, it's <laughs> not the place to be in the winter, unless you, you like uh, skiing and things like that. Or what to go see Les Habitants. <laughs> go, see, sorry, say, go see what? Les habitants, meaning the hockey team, as in the Canadians. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're like <laughs> hockey, well, yeah, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, anytime you're welcome to uh, visit. Absolutely. 
Vicky Davika, our guest on Authentically Kinky, a special preview episode. We've got so much more to come in the weeks ahead. And here's a look at what's coming up on Authentically Kinky. <laughs> 